Well, we're starting a brand new series today called Finishing Strong, and I am absolutely excited about sharing this with you because as I sat there and thought about our Savior this morning and I thought about him going to the cross and going through the cross, there are some things that he did along the way. I mean, there are moments where he had these pit stops, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was, you know, dripping. The, the scripture says that he was, his blood was uh, coming out of his pores because he was at a point of distraught, knowing that he was about to face the cross, knew what he was about to do, and it was difficult. And he went to the Father and he said, Father, if there's any way around this, you're God, you can do anything. There's, if there's any way around this, nevertheless, your will be done. And so Jesus submitted, of course, to the Father's plan and his will. He went to the cross. He chose to go to the cross. He wasn't forced to go to the cross as much as some people like to think that he was murdered or he was put on the cross. No, it's not a murder when you accept him as a sacrifice. A sacrifice for the sins that you've committed, the things that you've done wrong, it it becomes a sweet-smelling aroma to your heavenly Father when you receive what he did for you. But there are things that we see in the scriptures, and I want to take maybe the next couple of weeks or so to just kind of walk through these systems, because how many know there's a lot of great starters in life, but there's not a lot of great finishers in life? There are some people who start, but they just don't finish well, and there's reasons for that. And Jesus teaches us, the Word of God teaches us how to not only be good, strong starters, but to be great finishers as well. And this is where I want to take us. There are certain things that Jesus did that helped him endure the cross. In fact, the Scripture goes on to say that he endured the cross because he could see the joy that was set before him. In order for us to finish strong, what I want to touch on today, and this may seem surface level for some of you, but I need to build a foundation but you need to know the end from the beginning. You need to know what you want. What is it that you want to finish strong for? If an obituary was written up for you, what one word do you want to be remembered for? Because that's about after several years of someone passing, most people are remembered for basically one or two words. They were faithful. They were loyal. They were honoring. They were full of love. I mean, they were sacrificial. They were selfless. But what is it that you want? Because in order for us to finish strong, first and foremost, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, right? So if you know what you want, it's going to help you to finish strong the course that God has for you. You've got to think the end from the beginning in your life. What is it that you want to be remembered for? Because if it's just to build a legacy to leave behind for others rather than to leave in others, it may not be enough. Because you need to know why you want it as well. Not just what you want, but why do you want it? Because when all the applause fades away and nobody's watching in the middle of the night, what are you doing? What are the things that you're doing? How badly do you want it? How much do you want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful one? Because there are things that you will give up here on earth if you want to finish strong. Amen? And we're on this amazing journey, but it starts with knowing the end from the beginning. What is it that you want to be remembered for? Yes, it's worth building a legacy for your children's children. But you need to know why you want to build that legacy. What is it you want and why do you want it? What is it you want and why do you want it? You know, I was thinking about Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is our shepherd, and we shall not want. 
but we've got to know what we want. We've got to know what God's desire and his plan for our life is. And, and we're all on this journey. How many know that the further you walk with Jesus, the further you're going to see? And so, yes, God's going to reveal more and more of his plan, his desires for you as you walk with him in this journey. As you continue to be faithful to little, he's going to make you ruler over much, right? And so there's going to be promotions, kingdom promotions that God has for you here on earth as well as for the rest of eternity. But what is it that he's called and destined you to do right now? What's in your heart that he has placed in your heart to do? Because again, what do you want if I ask the question, if you could do anything in the world and money was not an issue, someone might say, I'd go, I'd move to Hawaii and go golfing. I'd swing a club for the next six months until I get bored. But you might have a more of a motivation of maybe owning a golf club because you want to make people happy. What is it you want and why do you want it? Because if you could do anything in this world and money wasn't an issue, what is it that you would want? Would you want to build orphanages? Would you want to build a school for, uh, you know, Christian kids to be able to go to? God knows we need more Christian schools, amen? You know, we were talking about this yesterday, saying, you know, here, it's interesting in our government, and I'm not speaking unkindly about our government, I don't mean to, if that sounds this way, but, you know, in the public schools, it is very much ingrained that our children must learn about all religions except the name of Jesus. No, they're not allowed to talk about Jesus, but they can talk about Buddha and, and all these other religions. That's okay. In fact, that's supposed to happen. But don't you dare mention anything about Jesus. Why? Because it's the name of Jesus that puts the enemy under our feet. And our school's... Ignorant in the sense that they just don't understand that if they could get the power of prayer back in schools, if they could get the word of God back in the schools, we can, still, we can see things begin to change in our nation. Amen? And I thank God for the boldness that some people have. And that may be your prayer request as a kid. You may be like, man, I just want to be a history maker as a student. I want to be an example of Christ in my school or in my college, wherever I'm at. I want to shine my light brightly here in this world. What is it you want? Why do you want it? God's got a purpose for every single one of us. You know, when I was thinking about Amy 25 years ago, I, I remember I was out, I was about 21 years old at this time. I went out to see my parents in Arizona who were living there as snowbirds, and I went out to see them. And make a long story short, my mom, uh, you know, she says to me, Sean, are you dating anybody? And I said, no. And she said, well, Sean, how are you ever going to get married if you're not dating someone? And I said, oh, Mom. I said, that's at least seven years away. I don't know why I said that. But if I was ever to marry someone, there's this girl that I go to college with, and, and she's in the same program that I'm in, and she actually works at the bank that I bank at. And what's her name? I, I don't know. But that's the woman I'd want to marry. I knew what I wanted. And finally, I built up some courage and found out that her name was Amy. And so I thought, man, I'm going after this uh, because I knew what I wanted and why I wanted it. And why did she grab my attention so much? She was dressed differently than all the other girls that I went to school with. She didn't reveal her whole body to the world. She did little things that grabbed my attention. She dressed beautifully. She always had a big smile on her face. She was just glowing 
But I knew in my heart she would be a faithful woman if she protected herself from letting the whole world see her. There were little things like that that grabbed my attention that I didn't see in the peers uh, that I went to school with. And, and I wanted that. And I knew why I wanted that. So eventually I built up some courage and I said, Amy, can I take you out on a date, a lunch date? And she said, no. <laughs> So I thought, okay, I want this, so I'm going after it again. And I said, maybe a couple weeks later, I said, Amy, can I take you out on a date? And she said, no. And I thought, well, all right, all right. Even in baseball, they get three strikes. I'm going for it again because I know what I want and why I want it. And I went after it. And I said, Amy, would you go out on a date with me? And she finally said, Yes. But at that lunch date, she said, I just want to make it really clear. This is just a lunch date as friends. And one year later, I was married to her because I knew what I wanted and why I wanted it. You know, some guys, they'll say over and over, I just wish she would date me. I just wish she would date me. You know what that's called? Bachelor. You've got to know what you want and why you want it. I would rather see someone fail trying than fail watching. You've got to know what you want in life and why you want it. You've got to go after it. If God is saying, I am your shepherd and you shall not want, what do you want? Because that's where it starts. Knowing the end from the beginning in over 25 years, I look back and I reflect and I think, you know, Amy and I have had an amazing marriage. And we've got three beautiful children that make parenting so fun and so exciting. Uh, but I can reassure you that we've needed help just like any one of you. Uh, we've had to scale life beautifully by surrounding ourselves with other teachers that are marriage teachers and parenting teachers, and we've had to listen to the podcast just like the rest of you. We've had to study and read parenting books, and we've had to study and read marriage books. How many can relate with me? Say I. We can't do this alone. And I know that with the help of the Holy Spirit and our GPS in life, we can navigate through this life successfully. You know, there's a, a plane called a U-2 spy plane uh, that can literally go over 70,000 feet in the air. It's amazing. It's like a space shuttle up there in the air. It's like it could stay way, way up there as a spy plane for long periods of time. And here's the interesting thing. When the U-2 plane comes down for a landing, guess what they need? They need another plane that comes in right behind them and steers them in order to land because they can't land successfully without the help of another pilot behind them. 10 degrees to the left, 10 degrees to the north, 10 degrees out. And they're giving direction so they can land successfully. And here's another interesting thing about the U-2 plane. It's actually only got one wheel, so when it lands, you know, it just lands on one wheel, but then it kind of tips over, you know, when it gets there. How many can relate with the U-2 plane? Sometimes we make a landing, but it's not always beautiful. But we got there. But here's the thing is that in marriage and, and, and family and parenting, you know, God and nobody else in this world even expects you to fly that thing successfully without some proper training, 
And so God doesn't leave us nor forsake us for a reason. He knows that with the help of the Holy Spirit, his guidance, his GPS, the Bible, the book for you and me, we can live successfully. We can walk out this abundant life that he's came to give us. But there are certain systems that he needs us to put in place in order to fly successfully in life, in our marriages, in our families. There are certain things that he says, you've got to do. You know, Someone who starts arguments on a regular basis. You know what the Bible says about them? They're a fool. So when you see someone who likes to argue, just know what a fool looks like. And hey, no nudging anybody right now. (laughs) But Proverbs also reminds us that it's the soft answers that turn away wrath. So there's different things that he says, 10 degrees on to the left right now, go um, south a little bit to the, uh, well, hey, Soft answer right now. Soft answer. Soft answer. Did you hear me? And and so we got to practice listening to him. Amen. We've got to know what he's saying. We've got to know what he's trying to tell us to do so we can land successfully, so we can hit our target in life. You know, uh, I was counseling a couple from completely two different ethnic backgrounds. Two different completely cultures, not to mention one's a man and one's a woman, uh, you know, speaking two different languages and, and so on like that. And just, you know, and one of them, well, both of them came from dysfunctional upbringings, but one was extreme that way. Uh, and so she had kind of an aggressive, uh, aggressive behavior because she was raised in an abusive and, and physically, verbally and physically abusive situation. So she was a little aggressive by nature. And so he would kind of just out of self-defense in his per- in mindset, uh, they would get a little aggressive. So they called us one day and said, would you counsel us? And I said, of course, I'd love to. I'd be honored to. And uh, so I sat down with them and, and I said, okay, we're going to have to do things different to get different results, right? And they said, yes. Are you willing to do that? Yes. And I said, okay, so the next time some tension starts rising up, because they really did love each other, they just misunderstood each other on a regular basis, and they get frustrated with each other. And so I said, okay, next time you start to sense a little tension rising up, instead of saying whatever you want to say, because that does no good, right? Right? (laughs) Just want to make sure we're growing together right now. (laughs) We want different results, right? So I said, next time you sense some tension rising up, Stop, hold hands gently, of course, and ask Jesus to lead you in your conversations, okay? Okay. Well, in a few moments, the tension started to rise. It started to escalate in the room, and I said, time out, time out. And I got the right to do that, right? Right? I just want to make sure we're following still. And they're like, oh, well, okay, yeah. And I said, this is an opportunity for you to practice what you just learned to be a doer, not just a hearer of God's word. Isn't that awesome? I mean, in Chronicles, it talks about if my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I'll, I'll heal their land or their marriage or whatever it is that they need. There's something about relying upon the Holy Spirit. You know, when he says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, that means that he's infusing his strength into us, his love, his grace into us. And so I said, this is an opportunity to rely upon the Holy Spirit right now. And just as we taught you just a moment ago, when you sense that tension rising up, all you have to do is take 15, 20 seconds, hold hands and say, Jesus, would you please lead us in our conversations? Help us to talk to each other the way you would talk to each other. And they said, okay. So when they had an opportunity to practice what they had just learned, at first you could tell us like they would like to say a few more things, but I said, time out. 
But how many know that it's oftentimes the most mature person that says, time out first, can we hold hands and pray? Again, it's a fool who likes to argue, right? And that just does no good. It just makes things worse, arguing. But relying upon the Holy Spirit to fly your plane successfully is key in our life, knowing his GPS and what he's saying do. So they took hands, and I led them in the simple little prayer, and we said a little prayer that took maybe 15 or 20 seconds that went like this again. Jesus, would you please lead us in our conversations and help us to communicate to each other the way you would communicate to us now in Jesus' name? And also in the room, just filled with the presence of God in a very tangible way, more noticeably. And I said, now, let me ask you a question. Do you, either one of you have a desire to argue anymore? And they said, no. And I said, tell me, what are you feeling right now? And one of them said, peace or self-control or some other things. And I said, isn't that amazing? How long did it take to pray that prayer? They said, maybe 20 seconds. And I said, but now you're changed on the inside and you feel differently and you know you can have different outcomes? Why don't God's people do this more often? It's a simple yet profound principle in God's word. God needs us to rely upon him. He didn't expect a husband and wife come together and figure it out on their own. Why would he expect you to fly a spy plane or anything else without giving you proper training? He's here to be our helper, to guide us into all truth. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, what is it you want and why do you want? And are we following God's word and his principles to get there, to get his results? God's results, heaven on earth. You know, I think about Deion Sanders. I don't know, I was thinking about this recently. Deion Sanders, his ultimate goal and his dream was to win the Super Bowl, and eventually he got there. He accomplished it, got the Super Bowl ring, and someone was asking him, Deion, what, what's it like, and, and is it everything that you thought it was going to be? And he said, well, hey, I'm really, really grateful that I got here, but... Uh, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. I mean, I mean I'm thankful. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful, that, but it's just that I thought I was going to have something, these emotions or something that was way more. And so he's kind of just saying, I, I just, it's almost in some ways kind of a letdown. That was his pinnacle. That was his goal. Now, if Dan's goal had been something about living beyond himself, Thinking about in the perspective of like, I want to win a Super Bowl because I want to become one day a great coach or a better influence or have a bigger platform to make a difference in this world for Jesus Christ. I love the story of Coach uh, Bill McCartney. He coached the Colorado Buffaloes and Colorado Buffaloes, uh, you know, had not won against Nebraska Cornhuskers in 23 years on their turf. And he was about to face them. And in 1991, he had heard a, a study once done that people, on average, think 86% of the time about themselves and only about 14% of the time about other people. And so he thought, I've got to come up with a new strategy, a new system I've got to get in place in order to help these guys overcome this hurdle of 23 years losing on the Nebraska Cornhuskers field. We've got to do something different. And so Coach uh, Mack, he went to him and he said to the players, each one of them, he said, now I want you to contact a loved one, someone that you really love that has impacted your life tremendously. And I want you to call them and I want you to dedicate the game to them. Every tackle, every block, every reception, every completion, every touchdown, every run, everything that you do will be in honor of them. In fact, after the game, you're going to send them a football with the final score on it. And I can imagine that would be quite a motivator 
but it changed their perspectives. I don't even really need to tell you who won, but I will. The Colorado Buffaloes won 27 to 12. Why? Because they learned to live beyond themselves. Jesus endured the cross because he could see the joy set before him for himself. That wasn't it. He could see you and me free. He could see you and me reconciled to our heavenly father and have a relationship with the creator of the universe again so we could be restored in his glory and have a relationship with him for the rest of eternity and to miss hell and gain heaven. He lived beyond himself. He endured the cross because he could see the joy set before him because he could see himself not sitting in the tomb for the rest of eternity, but sitting on the throne for the rest of eternity, not wearing the crown of uh, thorns for the rest of eternity, but wearing the crown of life for the rest of eternity. He could see way beyond himself and he could see you seated in heavenly places next to him and our heavenly father for the rest of eternity. So when it comes to knowing the end from the beginning, why do you want it? Because when the applause fades away, what motivates you? What moves you with compassion? What makes you cry? It's time to dig deeper because you've got to know what do you want and why do you want it? And then go after it. Go after it big time. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 through 3, it reminds us, write the vision, make it plain. You know, and be patient, by the way. This is why Amy and I and Terry, our board of directors and others, we teach on having a vision board on a regular basis because it's not about how you're going to get there. It's about what do you want right now? What is it that God has put in your heart? What do you want? What is that God-given dream? Get it before your eyes. See it on a consistent, regular basis because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Even though you may not see how you're going to get there, if you get it out there before your eyes on a regular, consistent basis and take approximately 7 to 12 minutes a day visualizing it, and it's a whole lot easier to visualize it if it's cut out and put on a vision board. Can I hear it? Amen. You know, we teach this in premarital classes, and I'm telling you, you can see the lights turning on. But let me tell you, this is what makes marriage exciting, too. This is what makes, whether you're single or married, it makes life way more exciting because hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you cannot see a better tomorrow, it's hard to get through today. You've got to know the end from the beginning. What do you want? And scale life beautifully. Once that is accomplished, get that out, something else on the vision board. So you go after that. You know, it's been proven over and over and over and over that having goals before your eyes will help you accomplish it much more successfully. You know, this is important. I'm going to come back to this in just a minute, but sometimes people think, you know, I just feel so pressed through life. There's so much to do as a mom. I, I just, I've got so much to do. I've got this to do. I've got this to do. I've got this. I, I'm trying to be a good mom. I'm trying to be a good wife. I'm trying to be a, a good uh, fill in the blank, maybe an employee or employer. And, and sometimes moms, you can relate with this, right? You feel a little spread thin and it's like, am I even the best at anything in life because I feel so spread thin? Can I hear at least a, an I or an amen out there from the ladies? You know what I'm talking about. You're Heart is right, but you feel like you're missing the target because you're just feeling average sometimes or even below. You know, and this is where we need to remind ourselves it's not where we start in life, it's how we finish. And as long as we know what we want in life, we can go after it. 
And we need to learn to pace ourselves. This is where I'm going to be your friend, moms, today. You need to take time to enjoy life and to rest. And this goes for all of you guys as well. God is not pushing you from behind, trying to help you get to those press, 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 reach your God-given dreams, your purpose in life. Let me tell you, there is times where you just sit and rest at church or in solitude. You just go somewhere, you relax, and you replenish, and you get refreshed. But even Jesus needed solitude. He sat by the lake. He went into the mountains. Everyone needs to enter into God's rest. You know, I think about a famous painter when he was a little boy. I believe it was his grandfather's house that he was at, and he was out at the barn with his grandfather, and his grandfather said, son, follow me. And he was walking to the house, and his little grandson was following him, who later became a famous painter. And, uh, you know, instead of following his grandfather exactly, he would stop and visit the animals. He would stop over here and pet some animals, and he'd go over here and see something else that was real interesting. He went back and forth, a zigzag back and forth, and the grandfather, he had arrived at the home probably 20 or 30 minutes earlier. And so the grandfather thought, this is a great opportunity to teach my grandson a valuable lesson. Now, son, I want you to see something. Notice how my steps came straight from the barn to the house and how I got here about 20 or 30 minutes earlier than you. Now, I want you to learn a valuable lesson. In life, if you get distracted, it's going to take you a whole lot longer to get to your destination. And that little boy, the light bulb turned on, and he thought, wait a minute, I still got to my destination, but I enjoyed the journey. You know, there are times where sometimes people think God is saying, go, 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 straight, 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 go, go, go. But he's not like that. He says, stop, sit by the lake, stop, listen to me in the mountains, stop, rest, because you can get a whole lot done when you're taking time to rest in his grace, amen, seeking his face. Right now, as you're here today, the Bible says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. While you rest, he's working. But if you were out working today, guess what God's doing? He's resting. If you think that you can do it in your own strength, then he'll say, go for it, try it, but you'll burn yourself out. I love what the Lord said to me years ago. He said, Sean, this is before we started the church because Amy and I, we come from good work ethic backgrounds. And we just, you know, when I met Amy, I think she was working like three jobs and going to college full time. And so work ethic is, you know, being born and raised on a farm or uh, by my dad, who's a, an employer and, and had a company. You know, we learned some good work ethic. But let me tell you, when the Lord had us start this church, he said, now, Sean, you can press through life. You can press, press, press a lot. Fulfill your, you know, the dreams that I put in your heart and come home premature to be with me. Or you can learn to pace yourself and enjoy the journey and still reach your destination. Let me tell you, it's way more fun to take time to build memories here on earth, not to be in such a hurry all the time. Amen. Psalm 23, verse 2 and 3, it says, He makes us to lie down in green pastures. In other words, He lets you. He says, Stop, rest. Here's some green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters, and He what? He restores your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. He can restore you. He can get that joy back in your life that you once had for being a mom or being a wife or being whatever it is. He can restore that back to you if you will take time to just lie down in those green pastures. 
If you're trying to fly in an airplane and you're getting anxious and frustrated and all that, it's not going to do you any good. You've got to learn to relax while flying an airplane. Amen. And times I think, you know, it's more effective for me to pray in the spirit and to just praise the promises of God than trying to get things done in my own natural strength. You know, learning to relax and rest in him, you know, is one of the most important principles that we can learn in life and trusting him that he'll get us where we need to be. You know, I love the scripture where it says, Psalm 37, verse 23, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. And I want to take it back to what we were just talking about a few moments ago, knowing his plan. If you seek first, it's Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God, his way of doing things. All these other things will be added unto you. You know, there's such a temptation out there to follow someone else's ambitions, to aim for someone else's target. You're inspired by what they're doing in life, and you almost, you almost want to model and become just like them. And in, in some cases, you should. The Apostle Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. There are certain things that you can learn, success principles that you can apply in every area of your life. But what is it that God has called you to do? What is his plan for your life? Because you need to aim for the target that he has for you. There is a, uh, I, I think it's interesting because there's a, um, oh, he's a, it was rifle competition. He's one of the best, I would say, in our country uh, with the, uh, the rifle shot. He is an amazing, in fact, he represented the U.S. in the Olympics a few years back or so, named Matthew, and I think he pronounced it Emmons or something like that. Some of you might remember this, but Matthew uh, pretty much had the gold in the bag. Uh, he had one shot left, and, uh, you know, he was several points ahead of anyone else. He was amazing at the rifle competition, and he pretty much could have probably hit the black or maybe even the referee, I don't know, but he could have just it still won the gold. And so he took a deep breath, aimed, released half of his breath, and pulled the trigger, bullseye. But the crowd was silent because he hit someone else's target. It's called crossfire. It doesn't happen very often, but it has happened. Sometimes in life, it's a sinking feeling when you aim for someone else's target in life and, and you hit it, but you missed what you were called to do. You've got to know what it is that God has called you to do. And the only way that's going to happen is to seek him first. And, and Psalm 37 verse 4, it reminds us that as you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. In other words, he puts those desires in your heart too. He says, follow me. My plan, I will help you fly that spy plane. I will help you land successfully. I will help you thrive in your marriage. I will help you to thrive in parenting. I will help you thrive in every area of your life if you will just follow my lead. You know, in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, after David, after he had served God's will and purpose, would you say that word out loud with me? Purpose. God's purpose for his life and counsel in his own generation. So then he, then he went to sleep. Then he died. But he fulfilled God's purpose for his life, for his generation, what he was created to do, what he was called to do. He hit the target. And yes, he missed it at times, but he was quick to repent. He was quick to be a man after God's own heart, even when he messed up. So God's not expecting perfection out of any one of us. What he's looking for a heart that is perfected in him. 
that says, God, I want to follow you for the rest of my life because there's a lot of people that say, Jesus, I want you as my Savior, but they will not submit themselves to being Lord over their life and over their marriage and over their family. They like to do things in their own strength. And let me tell you, there is a major difference between someone who says, Jesus, you're my Savior and you're my Lord. In you, I put my trust. In you, I will follow. In you, I will be willing and obedient. And as a result, I will eat the good of the land. But I will not look to my own understanding, my own ways. But I will look to your way. Because your way is the right way. And it's the best way that will produce the right fruit in my life that I'm really wanting. You know, there's a system, uh, it's called E6B computer that pilots become familiar with. And let me give you an illustration. Like this thing can, uh, you know, calculate altitude and, and cruising control. And so, for example, hypothetically, if someone was to fly their airplane at 200 miles per hour, uh, if they were 10 degrees off, just 10 degrees, just 10 degrees off, in four hours, they would be off course by over 133 plus miles. Just 10 degrees. Sometimes people get off course just because they were just a little bit 10 degrees off and they didn't think it was going to affect them that much, but it does. And so when we realize we've gotten off course, we simply say, Lord, I repent. I apologize. I should not have chosen this path or this plan for my life. Will you please Help me fix this. Uh, I think I'm going to have to put it on autopilot for a little bit, letting you redirect my steps and get me back on course. What God is saying is, I'm here for you. Keep your eyes on the author and finisher of your faith. I'm telling you, you will finish your course strong as you continue to keep looking to him uh, every day for every decision that you need to make. Never assuming that you know the right way every day. But always coming with a heart saying, God, you're my Lord and my Savior today. In you, I keep my eyes and I put my trust in you. And surround yourself with wise counsel. Safety net is what Proverbs calls them. People who are wise, people who you would be willing to trade shoes with. You know what I'm saying? You know, they might be financially successful, but they have a horrible marriage and kids don't have anything to do with them. What we need in life is godly fathers and mothers and mentors in our life that say, hey, I love you and I'm going to share the truth if you want the truth. And it's in that truth and God's truth that sets us free. Amen. And so hearing what your mom has to say, hearing what your dad has to say, having wise counsel, let me tell you, with long life, God will satisfy you and show you his salvation. But here's the biggest thing, and I'll close with this right now, is what is it that God has called you to do? Sometimes when I challenge people and I start challenging them, I'm like, listen, if you could do anything in the world and money wasn't an issue, what would you do? And, and they get this look, blank look on their eyes and they're like, I don't know, it's kind of deep. Well, what makes you cry? What motivates you? What would you be willing to do? You know, even when nobody else is watching that you are so high energized with that. What is it? Dig deep. Know what you are destined to do. Don't just assume because your grandma and your mother or your dad or your grandfather did it that you're supposed to do the exact same thing. I'll go to this illustration. This is a true story. There's this man who took over pastoring for his dad and he was a good pastor. But he was miserable pastoring the church. 
Even though he was grateful for a job, it was more like a job than a calling. And one day, I don't know if it was uh, like a vision or a dream, but he said the Lord appeared to him. Now, here's the interesting thing. This man loved working with his hands, working with wood. He loved it, and that was his outlet. As soon as he was done working at his job, he would go home and he'd work on wood. It just was a great outlet. He loved it. He enjoyed it so much. And Jesus looked at him with great compassion. He said these words, why are you not doing what I've called you to do? And I caught him off guard and he said, Lord, I'm pastoring for you. And he said, I've called you to be a woodworker. And it changed his whole perspective. And the guilt, the shame of feeling like he needed to do what his dad or grandfather had done. And he went after his God-given dreams. And today he's got one of the biggest woodworking furniture companies in the state of Georgia. Let me tell you, your light will brightly shine. You will be a greater influence in this world if you will seek first the kingdom of God. Don't overlook the things that come to you easiest, the things that you're the most passionate about, the things that you have a grace for, a gift for, whether it's teaching, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's working with wood, whether it's working with uh, kids. Don't overlook the things that you're passionate for. Maybe you enjoy working with your hands. Maybe you enjoy helping people get well. Don't overlook the things that you love doing because sometimes the things that we love doing the most are the things that God has placed in your heart to do. I want to encourage you with all of this said, Moms, we want to say thank you today because you're an example of our Heavenly Father's love. And sometimes, again, I kind of just need to, when I'm given a message like this, sometimes people get excited and they're like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to conquer this world and I'm going to make a huge difference. But sometimes in order to be more than conquerors, you've got to know how much he loves you first. And so today I just want to remind you as a mom when you come home, kids from college, or you come home and you're just with your mom, and what does she do? She serves you, not because you deserve it. She makes a meal for you. She does these kind of things. She washes your laundry. She does all these things, not because you deserve it, but because it brings her joy serving you. And sometimes you need to get this picture of God. That in order for us to accomplish our God-given dreams and destination, we've got to be comfortable knowing his unconditional love, that he's not pushing us from behind, but he does want us to go after our God-given dreams and destiny because that's where we're going to flourish the most. But in the process of that, you need to take those pit stops and enjoy like a mother shares with you and shows you so beautifully the unconditional love of God. I want to encourage you to take time to enjoy your Heavenly Father's unconditional love, that he's not mad at you, but he is madly in love with you. If you receive this today, would you say amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes for a moment, please? Father, I thank you so much for all the moms represented watching online, and thank you so much for just giving us moms that we can appreciate and, and just honor today, and we just want to say thank you, because through their unconditional love, and maybe someone here today has never experienced that, but Lord, you reveal your unconditional love oftentimes through moms, and so thank you for the ones that have had mothers in our life that showed us, not because we deserve it, but they showed us love and what love is supposed to look like. And Father, I ask that if there's anyone here today that doesn't know that kind of love today, I pray that they would be drawn to you on this very special day. 
So with every head bowed just a moment longer, if you've never made the decision to receive God's unconditional agape love, today would be my honor and my privilege to pray with you. Whether you've accepted Christ or maybe you're saying, Pastor, I've accepted Christ, but today I need to recommit my heart to Christ. I need to come back to that place of that resting place of just knowing the Father's love today. I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. If that's you on either one of those occasions, whether it's a first-time decision of accepting Christ or needing to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus, if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you slip up your hands all over this auditorium just saying, Pastor, I want to receive Christ or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can put your hands down. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I know it takes a lot of courage to do that. Any others are saying, Pastor, pray for me too. I want to accept Christ's forgiveness for my life or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Just a moment longer, anyone else? Okay, let's do this. Let's put a hand on our heart. Let's pray with those that are making that quality choice and that decision today. And the Bible reminds us in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means no matter what you've done wrong, all that matters right now is what Jesus Christ has done right. So would you pray this prayer out loud with me and say this with me? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. Take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap? Let him know how much you love him.